Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is, I'm Peter Whittle. Now, just over a year ago we started this show and our very first guest is indeed my guest today, I'm very pleased to say. Robin Aiken uh, came on to our show to talk about the BBC. He was at the BBC as a reporter over almost the whole spectrum of the BBC uh, for 25 years. And he wrote a book called Can We Trust the BBC? and more recently, The Noble Liar. Now, the BBC is pretty much at the top of our agenda at the moment on the news, so I'm very, very grateful for you coming back, Robin. Thank you very much. Um, I wanted to ask, when we spoke before, which was a year ago, uh, we were talking in quite general terms about the BBC, but something seems to have changed, and I wonder, what, what do you think it is that's actually changed? Well, I suppose the obvious answer to that is that uh, the general election turned out as it did. Mm. And I think that uh, that changed the game completely, politically, as far as the BBC was concerned. Um, the problem for the BBC is that over a period of many years, it has, it has made enemies. And the BBC has been oblivious to its critics. Um, they've not engaged with their critics. And consequently, uh, the things which um, people on the right particularly find um, objectionable about the BBC have simply got worse. And uh, there's a sort of sense of reckoning now, because um, I think there are people in government, influential people in government, who believe that the BBC has become in certain ways the enemy. Mm. And um, that's not a healthy place for an organisation like the BBC to find itself. Do you, when you say the enemy, do you mean the enemy of the government or do you mean actually the enemy of the country? <laughs> um, well, let's put it this way. Um, the BBC has a large body of support in the country. Um, but the support that it has is fairly cohesive culturally. Mm. Mm. Um, there is a cultural elite which very much likes what the BBC does and approves of it very strongly. And they are a very influential and powerful group. So they're supporters of the BBC. But on the other side, you've got um, also a, a substantial minority of people who feel that the BBC uh, distorts the, the news in a way which is um, not to their liking. Mm. That um, people feel the BBC doesn't speak for them doesn't speak to them, doesn't allow them to speak to us. Mm. BBC, you know, is fairly, it's, um, it has become a bit of a bubble, mm. in a way, a cultural bubble. You know that at one point, when you talk about the news, it used to always be Tory MPs complaining about a lack of, uh, as it were, you know, balance on the Today programme. Or, But I, it seems that there has been a, a greater recognition amongst the general public of general drift, political drift mm. in the BBC, would you say? Well, I think so. And I think the obvious reason for that, or one of the reasons, is that um, the Brexit debate, of course, made people hyper alert mm. to what they were hearing and seeing. So the thing about the Brexit debate was that it divided the country into two camps, and both camps um, knew what they believed. And people in the Brexit camp, those who were in, in favour of leaving the, 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 the EU, 
and found that the BBC did not represent their views. Mm. They weren't hearing the voices of people making the argument for Britain to leave the EU in the same way they were hearing repeatedly the argument for the BBC, for, for, for the country to stay. Yeah. In the, there was a huge imbalance. And it wasn't just a question of, it, this isn't just a question of counting numbers, it's also a question of tone. Mm. And I think the BBC gave the impression throughout um, that debate that it was firmly of the opinion that the country should stay in the mm. EU mm. and that further European integration was a good thing. Mm. That was the tone of what they yeah, were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and because of the imbalance also in the, in the ratio of, of interviewees, um, was, it was inevitable mm. that leavers would feel a sense of um, chagrin about that. Yeah. So, you know, th that's part of it. Mm. I think um, when it comes to uh, the way things have changed in people's attitudes to the BBC, it seems to me that it's, as I say, it's not, you mentioned Brexit, but also it is in the kind of uh, the woke progressive attitudes yeah. which increasingly, unless yeah. I'm being paranoid, increasingly you see on the BBC. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true, Peter. And I mean, um, so as I said, the... The Brexit debate was a contributory factor to what mm. we're talking about, mm. which mm. is this sense of um, alienation that quite a lot of people feel towards mm. the BBC now. Um, so the Brexit debate was one reason for that, but you put your finger on the other, mm. uh, which I think is an equally important factor, and that is the, if you like, the cultural tone mm. of the BBC. So um, what cultures does the BBC extol? What cultures does it promote? And um, uh, as you say, it's a very woke culture. And so you get an imbalance because you get, um, you get a lot of people campaigning for and talking in favor of certain reforms, yeah. cultural reforms, if you like, but these cover the equality um, agenda, the, the inclusivity agenda, mm. all these things. Now, individually, there's nothing wrong with with a lot of these campaigns. But the problem is that they hog the argument mm. and that people feel they're being preached at by um, campaigning groups with which they do not agree, yes. but never have their say. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's the thing. So you never hear the ordinary man in the streets argument against some of this nonsense which is taught mm. in the woke culture. Mm things which we all understand and know about, mm. where the common sense view of the man or woman in the street is mm. quite different from that of the cultural elite. Mm. That's the problem. Mm. It, it sort of comes through in things such as dramas, and thing, you know, non-news things. Mm. I mean, I've, I've jotted down a few things. I, I remember Christmas time, for example, I saw A, a Christmas Carol, which uh, had every issue sort of plugged into it, you know, and elongated as a result. <laughs> yeah, uh, totally yeah. unnecessary. And also there's been a lot of fuss recently about this horrible history thing, yes. which is where, yes. you know, it was, that was classic yeah. stuff, wasn't oh, yeah, it? Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, sort of absolutely. basically everything you thought about Britain's not yeah. true, it's basically really terrible. Yes. absolutely. There's sort of cultural damage being done by that kind of yeah. thing, isn't there? It's the, it's the cultural sneer. Mm towards a, um, what one might call, mainstream opinion. Mm. So most people 
in the country, or I think still feel pride in the country. And most people feel um, patriotic to a certain extent. Now, when the BBC portrays, as it very often does, Britishness, British history, um, in a negative light, um, people get their hackles up, you know? Mm -hmm. Because it, I think it has become, this is something which has become more and more pronounced, mm -hmm. that's the problem. Yes. So, so, as you rightly say, you know, the, the, these politically correct ideas are obtruding into mm. all manner of output, drama output. Mm. I mean, Doctor Who is the, is the classic. Yes. I don't watch Doctor Who, no. I might say. But, um, but uh, um, I know that there's been a lot of comment on the way that, <laughs> you know, that, the, that uh, when the, the Doctor travels back in time, the, uh, this anachronistic set of modern woke opinions mm. is projected onto historical situations. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's laughable, really. Mm. It's like a sort of, it really is quite Soviet yes, <laughs> in, yes. its, in its intensity and in its ubiquity. It's as though, you know, the BBC simply doesn't understand that um, it is out of step with a lot of people. I, I, I mean, I think partly this is born out of almost a contempt for parts of British culture. Mm. There are parts of British culture which the BBC actually does not approve of. And Such as, uh, can you... Well, um, <laughs> there are aspects of working class life mm. um, which involve things which uh, the cultural elite disapprove of. Mm. And um, so uh, attitudes um, about gender relationships, mm. about the way that men and women live their lives mm. in a more traditional way mm. than is often portrayed, um, that, that um, the BBC does not reflect and does not celebrate that kind of ordinary lifestyle. No, no. What it celebrates is a transgressive lifestyle mm -hmm. where we know what is approved of and we know what is disapproved of. And um, I think that, you know, people are becoming increasingly aware of that fact, that actually the BBC um, shuts them out of the conversation. Is it just approval, or would you say that there, that actually also at the basis of it is a form of attack? I mean, you know, without wishing to, you know, you know, get all culturally Marxists all over over you here. Um, <laughs> but 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 it, it would appear like that. That that actually, the ultimately, the aim is to is to question to death almost. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the um, there has been a, 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 a swift and now complete takeover of the BBC by people who are culturally liberal. Mm. More than when you were there. Um, well, I think the process has gone on since I left, mm. and um, you know I still keep in touch with people in the BBC, so um, I know quite a lot about what goes on one way and another. And um, there are many people in the BBC, quite senior people, a lot of them, who have misgivings mm. about what's happening. Mm. It's difficult for individuals to speak up in the BBC, and it it certainly doesn't burnish your career prospects. Mm. Um, 
but there is a problem and some people recognize it. There's a uh, report out today actually, um, we're recording this, uh, which is all about people who work in the arts. Generally. I saw that. You saw this. I read it. And, yes, fascinating. It's fascinating. fascinating. It's nothing we don't know, Robin, yeah. really, but to see it in black and white, nevertheless. Absolutely. And I sort of include in that television, obviously, because yeah, yeah, these, are, these are sort of, if you like, these are arts, um, arts programs. These are, you know, it's a performing arts, the visual arts, all of them, people employed in those areas. And essentially the report is saying that you just simply can't have a dissenting view. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I thought that was a fascinating report. I read it closely, actually, with close attention, because I just thought how interesting that was, because it confirms much of what you hear anecdotally. And um, I had a, I have an anecdote of my own, actually, which... Uh, so I recently appeared. I was, I was asked to, to go on to the BBC for the first time, actually, for a number of years. They asked me on to one of their radio shows, uh, The Moral Maze, and right. I talked about it. It was about the BBC future of. And um, so I had my say. And, um, I you said, were a witness on it, were you? Yeah, yeah I was yes, just a witness. Yes, you yes. get your seven minutes, yes. so you, you just get your little input. Mm. Um, which is actually not long, actually. And, uh, and of course, you're, you're, you, you have to be um, guided by the questions you're asked. So it's not a wholly satisfactory format as far as I was concerned. But anyway, I said my piece. And... Uh, <laughs> The day, a day later, I got an email from a very senior producer of a very uh, long-running and high-profile BBC drama series, series uh, which has been yes, in with the brickwork, as it were, saying that uh, she um, would like to be more inclusive in her script-writing team, but um, could find no writers who were prepared to articulate other than the liberal orthodoxy in scripts. Right. And she asked me if I'd go and talk to them about... Really? Yeah. And, 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 uh, interestingly, so, so this, this person, um, and, and full marks to her, um, thought that... Because I, my shtick when I'm asked you know, about the BBC, what I, I, I often say is that... Um, the BBC talks a lot about diversity, and it talks a lot about diversity in terms of skin colour, mm. sexual orientation, etc., etc., etc. We know the categories. The category that is not included is, poli is politi political. So diversity <laughs> of opinion. Yeah, there's no political diversity within the BBC, and uh, this is conveniently you know left out of the equation. Mm. Although when you think about it, it is vital for the BBC to have political diversity within it. Mm. Because lacking that diversity, it finds it very difficult to be objective about issues that matter to us all. And that is where the blind spot is. And the BBC, unfortunately, will not engage with its critics. It has shown you know, a degree of contempt for public opinion, but it has also shown, uh, very visibly, I think, um, a contempt for political opinion, particularly that of associated with Boris Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw an, I saw a, an interview that um, Laura Koonsberg did with Boris Johnson during the course of the, the Brexit campaign. She treated him with contempt. Mm. And um, he was Prime Minister at the time. But there was, non, there was no sense that this was a man 
that the office mm-hmm. deserves respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the office, mm-hmm. not the man. Mm-hmm. It was all too obvious from yeah. this example and others that there was a contempt for um, many of the conservatives and conservative ideas. Um, and these were ideas which were, as it was then proved, were popular in the country. Mm. The country may not love the Tory party, and one couldn't blame them for that. Um, I find as an object of affection, the, the Tory party leaves a lot to be desired. Mm. But, um, but still, they had the pulse of the nation, Yes, didn't they? Just to go back to, you know, you, you told us when you were on the Moral Mace, you got this email. Will you go in and talk to the scriptwriters, do you think? She yeah. asked you to? Yeah. Of course. And Why so she, she was asking basically how they should maybe include more diversity of opinion in their scripts. Is that what it is? Yeah, meant? exactly. Okay, yeah. So I don't know if I'm particularly well, <laughs> mm. I don't know if I'm particularly well um, suited to do this job mm. because, uh, you know, I, I'm not a scriptwriter. But what, what I've been thinking about it, and it seems to me that if you are portraying the lives of so-called ordinary people. Mm-hmm. The scriptwriter's job is to is to portray all kinds of lives mm-hmm. with all kinds of opinions and all kinds of outcomes. And you know there is a pattern in BBC drama where you know that by and large um, anyone who's portrayed as a Tory will be a baddie mm-hmm. of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there is a sort of distinct animus against the upper class. Mm. <laughs> I'm not upper class, clearly. I'm not upper class. So it's not my class. But I can see that the, the upper class is always portrayed in, in a particular way. It's interesting you mentioned that because I just they seem to be obsessed as well with the Profumo affair. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just feel that I've seen a hell of a lot. I mean, we've just had this long <laughs> drama. And I thought, why would this be? And I just thought, well, it's about how rotten the establishment was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might well have been at the time, but yeah. you sort of think, what yeah. is it about this relatively minor piece of history, yes, no, which absolutely. is absolutely fascinating to me. No, 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 I was no. asking, do you, I mean, you went on, yeah. on Moral Maze, but do you, do you watch much BBC yourself these days? Not much, no. Um, <laughs> I don't. Um, I listen to a lot of BBC. Mm. Um, and I, uh, what I do use a lot, actually, uh, the BBC uh, website. I use that as a sort of. Um, it's it has a fairly decent coverage. I mean, I also consume every day mm, mm. six or eight or ten other news sites because yes. I do it the whole time. Yeah, and it's an obsessive thing, you know. And uh, it, it sometimes I, I am. Um, I regret the fact I spend so much time looking at this stuff, but I do, just to try to get a sense of what is out there. Yeah. There are many things that, you know, stories that interest me which never appear on the BBC, for instance. But on the other hand, if you go onto their news website, the world section, and you trawl through the various sections, you'll usually find in there, um, you know, there are countries I'm interested in, like India a bit and other parts of the world, uh, America particularly. Um, their American news has to be treated with great circumspection, unfortunately. Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, I mean, you know, I think the BBC's coverage of Trump and America this past four years has been so bad yes, that uh, yes. I, I can, I can, 
it, it astonishes me yeah. that it is as partisan as it is. Yeah. I find it, I find it quite <laughs> startling, yeah. really. I think it's a, it's almost there, there is a strange fascination with the American system and of American course, politics. Yeah. I think they've got something like thirteen reporters or whatever yeah. covering the American yeah. election, and American politics is covered with a detail which is actually quite extraordinary. I know that America is a very important country, yeah. but it is, and and it, at the same time there is this horror of Trump, and I think that probably the people. <laughs> at the BBC obviously don't really meet anyone who might actually have a good word to say about him that's right what, what I mean you don't you, I've never heard anyone say a good word about Trump on the BBC no. it's like a sort of I'm thinking yeah, yeah it is it's funny I wonder whether uh, uh, what, what you think of this one that during the election obviously we had this thing whereby Boris Johnson decided not to go on the Andrew Neil program yeah. not to be interviewed and there was a huge kerfuffle this was yeah. terrible for democracy etc et of course it just was entirely forgotten about it made no difference at all mm. to anybody um, at the election and then we had this thing whereby senior ministers were kind of boycotting the today mm. program uh, not necessarily making wanting to make a trend out of this but it does appear that there is now a more American approach, actually, I, which is that we're not going to do this media if we're constantly going to be treated in this way. Absolutely. Do you and think um, that's a good thing? Um, well, before I answer that, actually, uh, something that struck me has, has been a trend which has uh, quickened in recent years, which is um, something which in... <laughs> You know, one talks like an old fart when you get to this point, but, you know, in my day, mm. right? The idea of inviting a government minister on to the Today programme, mm. sitting him down, asking minister, tell us what government policy is, at the end of which you turn to your political editor, who's sitting in the same studio, and you say, well, Laura, um, is this... Uh, what do you make, what is your comment on what the minister has just said? And very often uh, that would be a, an oppositional stance. That the, so as it were, what the BBC did was it invited a government minister in and then sets up a rival authority alongside who comments on what has just been said with no right of reply, of course, by the politician sitting there. Now, of course, part of, part of the job of um, senior BBC journalist is to explain the world to the audience. Mm, mm. But the way that was done made it very often seem to me that the BBC was saying, you can't trust this guy, whoever it is, and whatever they've said, and we've got to interpret that for you right here and now with yeah, this person yeah. sitting next to you. Now, that elevates the status of the journalist to that of pundit. Mm. And she or he mm. becomes actually um, an influential person in their own right. Mm. And I think there were times when the BBC did that too often, and very often the, the comments which came immediately after the, the minister's um, interview um, were, were very negative mm. and very uh, oppositional. Mm. And, it, it, you know, is that mm. the right thing for the BBC to do? Mm. And I'm not surprised. In fact, I think, I think it's very smart. Um, because the Today programme with the input of government ministers stripped out is definitely hollowed out to a certain extent and um, the 
you will know this if you've, um, I'm sure you do, that one of the things which current affairs shows like today care about is what we call pickup. Mm, you know, mm. has this story been picked up? Yeah. Now, there was a time when, because of its status and its position as the, the BBC's most important current affairs show, that um, someone appearing on the 810 slot there would very often be picked up by the daily papers, by everyone else. It sets the agenda for the day, you know, and often carries on into, into the next day. And um, so those sorts of uh, interviews are really the, the raison d'etre of mm. such a programme. These are the these are the interviews the programme wants to do. Yep. The programme wants to have the environment minister on, you know, and uh, you need that to talk about, you know, the green agenda and all that. Um, stripped of that, it makes the Today programme much less necessary listening, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. And um, I've certainly, you know, although um, it's not because I have any loyalty to the Today programme especially, although I loved working there, I worked under Rod Little. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Who was the, the esteemed editor. guest of this show. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Rod, you know, so, so those were great days, and uh, I loved working actually for today. It was a great show to work for. Um, but they have brought this on themselves. Mm. Not today alone, mm. but the BBC in generally has got up the nose of the wrong people mm. Mm. because those people, very unluckily for it, have now arrived in government. Mm. Mm. And, you know, there is, I think, the whiff of um, comeuppance in the air. I, I think we start off by saying that there is something about the current sort of discussion, uh, particularly about the license fee, yeah. which feels more serious than whatever that I can remember it. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah, is definitely. now a discussion, it's on the agenda. Yeah, definitely. And there is an assumption behind, it seems actually it's growing consensus, this just simply cannot go on. Yeah. Would you say? I mean, or am I um, being too optimistic about that? I think there are two, two things to say about the, the, the license fee. One is that um, it is failing a technical test in the sense of, is this a justifiable tax, mm. as it once was, given that there are some and a growing number of people apparently who don't use the mm. service. Mm. Right. So that's the sort of technical aspect of it. Um, but there's another point, and this actually means that in my view very little is going to happen about this, at least in the near future, is that uh, people talk about, you know, okay, if you get rid of the license fee, what comes next, and people are talking about a subscription model. Um, the problem with that is, a technical problem also, which is that um, BBC services are not currently set up, and the technology does not exist to make the BBC into a subscription service. Right. And also, what you would have to do, I mean, one of the things that would have to happen is that everyone would have to have a new kit in their homes, yeah, or yeah, the pensioners yeah. would have to have a new kit in their yeah. homes, right? This is not a small undertaking. Mm. And so, um, you can't simply change the BBC into a subscription model, so that's one thing. Um, on the other hand, you're right, it is now on the agenda, and because of the first thing I mentioned, the fact that there are there is a growing number of people who don't use the service and yet still have to pay, and it's the, it's the equity of that, I suppose, which is driving that particular argument. Mm. Um, and you've got to um, make a political decision about that in conjunction with the BBC about what can be done about that because it, you know, it is a problem.
What would you do, actually? I mean, what, what would you like to see? Would you like to see the licence fee gone entirely? Would you, or you know, some people want a bit of it kept, don't they? Well, what, I mean, you know, I, I, I constantly talk with friends and, um, you know, other journalists about this sort of thing. And, uh, um, and some of my friends, um, one man I'm thinking of in particular was a senior commentator um, in the newspapers. He has lost patience with the BBC. Mm -hmm. He now thinks that um, the BBC cannot be reformed and therefore um, it's outlived its usefulness as a, as a concept. And I have always, I have always argued for reform of the BBC. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's a bit like being in it. It's a bit like those people who were sceptical of the EU but wanted to reform it but not leave it. You mm -hmm. know, it's that sort of that, that mm -hmm. sort of stance I've taken. And but I'm not sure whether that is tenable. If the BBC, we, we are at a where it it feels as if we're at some sort of critical point for the BBC. Well, isn't this also because in seven years time it's, it charter comes up yeah, for renewal yeah, yeah. so it's like that's a kind of decent time isn't it if you like for for this to take root or a different approach to take root. Yes um, yes yeah that's right. I wonder what the BBC internally can you speculate what their attitude will be to what's happening at the moment I mean it's you know this isn't just an obsession of the likes of you and me and <laughs> think tanks and what have you and all this. It is actually sort of right out there yeah. and it is being discussed. Yeah. Will they be circling the wagons or, you know, will they, uh, will they start to get aggressively uh, defensive? You know, will they start to put out their stool um, or what? You know, I've, he I've heard things like you know, Steve Coogan saying, I'll be first at the barricades, you know, and defending mm. the BBC. Mm. Well, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's been interesting seeing what has been said. I mean, the BBC has taken quite a firm stance that it doesn't want to see the licence fee system ended. Mm. So it's very pro-maintaining the current. Yes. The, the, the status quo is what it generally likes, and it's worried about um, the ending of um, any criminal sanction, um, legal sanction, rather, for non-payment of the licence. So, you know, if, if that is decriminalised, then that would have an impact too. So these are things that the BBC is against and which worry it. Um, in the more general sense of what the higher echelons of the BBC think about the current situation, well, um, my speculation would be worth no more than uh, anyone else's because I don't move in those circles. But I think that there will be some in the higher reaches of the corporation who are thinking seriously about the current situation. Mm -hmm. And um, if they have any sense, they'll be trying to formulate some sort of truce between it, the organisation and the BBC. It's essential for the BBC. If the BBC wants to maintain the status quo, which I believe it does, maintaining the status quo is going to mean reaching an accommodation with the government. And this means defanging 
the government's critics. Mm. Mm. So how do you do that? Well, there has to be, you know, we are waiting for some white smoke from the top of the Vatican, <laughs> you know, that we that uh, that um, we want to. I was asked one of these stupid, you know, um, one of these uh, irritating kind of um, uh, runners and riders thing for, oh, uh, yes. for, 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 a, for a news outlet. So I was asked to do one, you know, and um, and so that appointment, the successor to Tony Hall, will be an important appointment, not right. just in terms of the talents mm. um, and inclinations of the person who gets it but as a visible sign mm. that the BBC is prepared to treat with the government. Yeah. I mean, I don't see any, <laughs> at, the, at the moment, the, the, I think probably the BBC, it must still be working out what it's about, you know. Mm. I mean, we, you know, it, it, we're in, we, we are in a new, a new, a new, a new situation here. These are uncharted waters for the Beeb, and they have to tread carefully to make sure that the response they eventually do come up with um, is, is going to be a good defensive posture. I think uh, you say that un, un, uncharted waters, but I think it was the chairman recently who was uh, talking in defence of the BBC, and he said the thing I've heard time immemorial, the BBC brings the country together. <laughs> uh, and he used this example... Gavin and Stacey doing very well at, at Christmas. Yeah. And royal weddings, jubilees, sports event. But the truth is, is if you take that apart, there was a rather, there was a rather careworn feel, actually, about that. Mm. Gavin and Stacey got something like 11 million, which is good in this day and age, but it's not 30 million no. like it used to. And there yeah, are all, right. all sorts of reasons for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. also, does it actually bring the country together anymore. I mean, mm. when it did the Jubilee, it made an absolute mess mm. of it. Absolutely. You know? so it well, I, you see, th 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 this goes back to, to what I was saying earlier about the tone of the BBC. Mm. I don't think the BBC understands any longer how to get on the nation's wavelength. Mm. Yes. yes. You know, it really doesn't. No. It doesn't. It doesn't have the pulse of mm. the country. Mm. And it's uh, and it's it's not only in its news and current affairs output; it's also in its drama output. It's in every aspect of the, of the output. The BBC um, too often finds itself. You know, I mean, <laughs> sometimes it seems to me not, but certainly during the the, the most sort of um, tensest and, uh, and and most agonising parts of the Brexit debate. BBC sometimes sounded to me as if it, I was, it, I tune in, it was as if I was listening to a, a foreign broadcast. Mm, mm, there was so little, um, there was so little identification with the country. Yes. So it was as if, it was as if, you know, what the Continentals, whatever, Barnier or any of them, you know, that mm. weary yes. list of characters that we've all now yes. <laughs> shunted to the back of our minds, hopefully forever. Um, all those names that were the daily stuff of the Today Show, you know, and uh, the way in which all too often it seemed as if the implicit attitude of the program and the interviewers was that the EU was in the right, mm. 
and whatever we were saying was either laughably implausible or mm. wrong or mm. stupid, you know. Mm. Uh, so it felt very much, you know, at, at times to me as, I, as if I was listening to, it, it, there was just a palpable hostility. Yes, too much of a distance is what you're saying, too much of a distance. Yes, exactly, because, you know, what the BBC um, always proclaims about its news is that it achieves objectivity. Mm. And um, that is a difficult concept to define in terms of journalism. And it's also an even more difficult quality to master mm. and employ. Mm. The truly objective journalists, I think, are very few and far between. They are masters of their trade. Um, I'm not one of them, but uh, there are many men and women I've known over the years who who um, have striven to be objective, and some of them have, have attained that. Mm. And these are largely BBC people, but not just BBC people, mm. other people in other, in other aspects, you know, other newspapers and so on. People who've really um, striven for a sort of um, clear-sighted and honest view of um, British affairs. Mm. It's difficult. Mm. It's difficult because um, you know none of us is. We all carry with us these, you know, our our carrier bag of um, opinions and prejudices and views, don't we? Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I do. I know. Yeah. And um, and so, if you ask me, could I be objective about Irish nationalism, for instance? I would mm. say no, I couldn't. Mm. Mm. No, <laughs> I, I I completely see that. But that was something that they majored on for a long time at BBC, and I think that it's. Particularly with the advent of social media, um, people sounding off on Twitter, you know, reporters, this is yeah. another thing, isn't it? That I think finally, I think what maybe is a bit of a watershed at the moment, you refer to it there, is the decriminalisation of the licence fee. That yeah. This will be the sort of, the real thin end of the wedge, if you, yeah, it, it, there so. is that feeling about yeah, it. Yeah, I and, think so. And it almost, I would have thought that will happen, actually, won't it? Um, well, I, I don't know if it will or not. I think that it, um, I can see it happening. Mm. I think it's, I think it's yeah. conceivable that it will happen. Yeah. And it's something that um, you rightly say, I mean, it's something that could be, the thing is that, of course, it can be justified. Mm. That's the point. Mm. So um, you can make a case for decriminalizing it. And it's a plausible case, especially as that particular thing bears hardest on that sector of the population, which is very often the least able to pay. Yes. You know. So what you're doing is you're taking poor people through a legal process to screw 150 quid out of them on the BBC's part. And um, you know that there is a sort of basic inequity about that in a way. I it's the poor which always, but you know, it's the poor who always get, yes. always get the, 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 the dirty end of the stick, and it's uh, in, in, in that sense, it's it's. Of course, the BBC then, it is a difficult argument for it because it will know this as well that actually, um, you know, what I've just said that a lot of people who do get taken to court are, are, are those who are the poorest, and uh, I don't think that'll sit easily with the BBC itself probably because there are a lot of good hearted people in it who will think that's wrong. Mm. So, you know, I, I think you're right, actually. That could easily happen. I don't know if it will. Mm. And I think probably, yeah, you might be right.
actually it could well happen. We'll put it this way, the issue is not going away this no, time, exactly. is it? No, it's no, not going it's away. Right. It's live yeah. and it's out there. Well, while it's not going away, that means you're going to be on here quite a few <laughs> times, Robin, actually, just as a forewarning, because um, your perspective is just it's, it's so invaluable to us. Uh, thanks very much for coming back this time. Oh. And I reckon that maybe in this time next year, if not before, uh, there might have been some big movement on this, who knows. But, yeah, no, uh, thank you. Um, thank you very much for watching. Do subscribe to us, won't you, please? And uh, I will see you next time. Thank you very much. Bye.